When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. No, I'm really excited now to uh, be part of Orange Training Systems to bring what I've learned and uh, experience of uh, the MMA world and what actually works on somebody uh, in situations as far as uh, uh, tactics and physical combat, you know, and, um, you know, I see a lot of things out there where I see people grab someone or hit them and I'm like, man, that's not going to work on anybody who has any kind of motivation to hurt somebody else. It's not going to incapacitate them. It's not going to, I mean... It might unmotivate a 160-pound pothead, but it's not going to hurt a ferocious human being. All the techniques that I like to employ, you know, um, they turn people off, you know, or destroy limbs to the point where they can't use it anymore. And I can show you films of me doing it to people and, and everything I show or do um, has real-world application. It breaks bones and it puts people to sleep. So, yeah, folks, if you're listening, we're doing a little mini introduction on why we're doing Ronin, what we're excited about Ronin Training System. As you guys all know, Frank, Ron, and I have partnered in uh, making the Ronin Training System. This was actually Ron Owen's idea a couple of years ago, and we are starting to put things into play. We're going to do video formatting, so you can uh, download some video format and uh, information that way, and you can see Frank do some stuff online as well. And you can join us at the Academy. I'm excited to be partners with these great and amazing. Ron is a first uh, retired first sergeant from the Army. We all know Frank's background, MMA, UFC legend in the UFC fighting world. He's done a lot of great things and he's still relevant. And most of the guys in the UFC are not relevant. And Frank continues to be relevant in the industry today. So that says a lot about Frank's business mind. Not only is he a fighter, but he's an amazing, he has a business mine and the ability to network is like no other the next to Ron. Ron's a really great networker too. And uh, we all have our strengths and uh, I'm excited to be working partners with Frank and a personal friend now and with Ron as well. well let's hear it from uh, Ron Owens over there in Oklahoma. Well, I am just honored uh, and grateful to be partners with uh, you and Frank and doing something that I consider extremely important and vital. Uh, I think people say that the the oldest uh, job in the world is uh, by women, but I don't think it is. I think it was security. Back in the caveman days, you know, when you got ready to go to sleep, there was always somebody that had to protect the rest of the group from danger. And so it was always someone that was vigilant and standing a watch. And I think security is the oldest job and protectors are the oldest job that, that there is. And I think it's the most noble thing about that person in that group. And so to, you know, Ronan, when we talked about this, really bringing some real standards and real training um, to a world that sometimes uh, I'm not saying that the training isn't real. What I'm going to say is that sometimes a certification doesn't really put you to the test and creating a pass fail system where the graduates really know that they are capable of surviving the engagement or not, and not just hoping that they'll do the right thing when the time comes, I think is vital. And so, you know, a Ronin is a, is a samurai uh, without a master. And in the, in the protector business and in, in private security, we're protectors. And, you know, I spent 22 years in the army uh, retired as a rifle company first sergeant and, you know, training and leadership 
is vital to any group. And so we want to bring that into people and expose them to opportunities that they might not get otherwise and just bring the training level um, that maybe you don't get everywhere. There's some great training programs out there. I think we're going to bring something different and we're going to bring something that we hope is better. Hopefully you will get a chance to experience it and uh, give us some feedback and let us know, you know, what you think about it. And, and I will commit to this. If it's not the best thing that you've ever experienced, let us know what it is that you would like to see. And we will figure it out uh, through improving ourselves or finding those people that are better at those things and bringing them in because we are men of action. So we, we take action and we make things happen. And we're just really excited to uh, be together, making some things happen for a lot of people. Thanks, Ron, for that input. And Frank, I, I want to let the audience know what you're up to right now in your career. You got some exciting things you're doing right now in your career, and you're, you're just always doing something. So feel free to give the audience a little download of what's going on in Frank's life. Yeah, I mean, basically right now I'm a part of uh, the UFL and uh, FFN. Uh, we are you know, a fight league that is you know for the fighters. Um, so I have a commentary team on there, and I still have a few other organizations that I still help uh, out with commentary, but not to the degree that I help in the back room of production with the uh, UFL and then uh, just training myself now and still training my children. And then I'm really developing Mir MMA right now. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people out there when they do martial arts, especially mixed martial arts, you know, they, they train boxing and Muay Thai and, and then they pull all the different, you know, jujitsu and wrestling and, and they have to kind of like learn each one. And there's certain aspects that don't apply. Um, and so uh, I feel like it's, a, it's an efficient way of doing things. So I have now put together my own system when I train people that we just train MMA right off the bat, you know, from a jab to a, a, a double to, a you know, how to choke someone on the ground or choke them from our feet. That way we're not learning moves that are part of jujitsu, a part of wrestling or part of boxing that really will never have a real world application inside the cage or on the street. That's pretty amazing. I know your your audience and your fan base will going to love the content you're going to provide. Can you, can you go in more into uh, Freedom Fight Nights? You're partnered with uh, Rampage Jackson and Tito. And what's going on there? Is that an exciting thing for fighters? Well, I mean, basically, once I realized that my children are going to follow in my footsteps, you know, Bella now is 3-0 as a professional fighter. Cage now just won a second state tournament as a sophomore in wrestling, and Bella's wrestling in Iowa. Um, I was like, damn, all right, I better make this rule better for me than uh, than it was for me, better for them. And so, like, right now, one of the first things we did was we uh, we just looked at the things that, that the UFC and other leagues right now are doing that, you know, we all are disappointed in. And one of them is healthcare, you know. And so once our fighters sign on, they have healthcare right off the bat and not just inside the, the cage when they the night of the fight. Because the one thing I've, I've told Harrison right off the bat, I'm like, look, if you want guys to show up at 100 percent, they have to be honest about them being hurt leading up to the fight. And sometimes it's an injury that. If you go to the doctor, a cortisone shot or, a, you know, maybe some therapy could have prevented the injury from getting worse and they could have performed. And, and overall, it's less expensive for the company and better for the long term of the fighter. But because of the way the insurance works in the fight world, they won't say anything and they'll take the fight. And all of a sudden after the fight, they go, yeah, I tore my shoulder. Man, the shoulder was torn weeks ago. And they, you know, maybe it was a slight tear that they could have addressed had a doctor look at and give them some exercises and therapy and we could have fixed, but now they want to walk into the cage and have the, the promotion take care of it. Uh, and so um, it's more expensive for the promotion. It puts a less of a fight for the audience. And ultimately the athlete himself is actually more detrimental to his future of his health. 
I've done that way too many times and I'm living the results of that lifestyle now. Um, another thing is uh, skin in the game. You know, a lot of the fighters go out there and they're paid for their time, but I mean, really they're giving up a portion of their life and health to go out there. And I mean, they want to prove themselves. I get it. No one's forcing them to fight, but the promotions in the past, I think have taken advantage of fighters desire to fight and make the mainstay of the money. And you can see our pay scale does not, you know, reflect that at all. And also we're going to give out dividend bearing shares. So as you fight for us, you get more shares. I try to explain that in a way that like, imagine if all the fights I had with the UFC, if I had gotten shares each time when they, you know, exchanged hands in 2012 for $4.2 billion, I would have had a couple million dollars heading my way. Um, that would have been nice. So uh, that's one thing, too, we've corrected. So as we see problems coming up, we just try to address them and actually do what's best for the fighter and not for the promotion within the reason of keeping the promotion going. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Especially guys like like yourselves, they're in their 20s and 30s that want to break in the industry. And they're, you, now you guys are giving them a shot, like almost like an audition in the cage, right? That kind of what it, what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and making it to where uh, there's, you know, uh, just a better environment for them. I just, again, my daughter will be, is going to fight. I want to do what's best for her. So I, I do have, you know, I mean, Quentin's son is an amateur looking to go pro. Tito's son is still over at ASU wrestling. I'm pretty sure he's going to fight uh, <laughs> to, to Tito's dismay. So I think all three of us are basically guys that realize that, hey, this next generation is falling on our footsteps. What can we do to make it better for them? You know, what are the things that we complained about? You know, like, you know, another option, if any of our guys, unless it's a month before a show that they're signed on to, they're under contract from us. And like, you know, they're not fighting for three or four months. And someone comes along and go, hey, I found a match that I can go make money. I go, you know, go, go get paid. Like, why do you have to sit on the shelf with us? You know, uh, is that a risk that maybe one of our guys get hurt that we can't use? Well, yeah, but I've been there where I've needed money and the promotion that I'm with currently assigned under doesn't have a fight or someone got hurt. And now it's like, well, you, you, we don't have a fight for you and you're not allowed to go anywhere else to make money. I don't know. I've always thought that was more like indentured servitude. So that was one thing that I really pressed hard on with Harris was like, we're not holding anybody ransom. Oh, nice. Find something else better. Go, you know, our show as good as possible. So they want to stay. But if, the timing works out to where we don't have an opponent for them or someone got hurt and they find money somewhere else, go take it, take advantage, you know, provide for their family, provide for themselves. That's a great concept. I mean, when you first told me about this a couple of years ago, when you guys were working on the idea, I'm like, wow, what a concept. And you just told me you had how many views on the last fight? Like, couple hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah we had 250,000 views as of yesterday when I clicked on to look um, and that was with no Wi-Fi. <laughs> we, uh, I had wow. a student of mine and one of my best friends flew in three or four sons player, a couple of professional. I mean, we had some people that had influence there and not one of them could send out a tweet or a text and, and neither could we, we had to use an ether line that the, uh, they were using to send off the show itself. And some of our social media guys finally tapped into it. But <laughs> talk about being handcuffed. I mean, we probably lost out on 10 million impressions on the wow. real not trying to be aggressive side of making that an estimate. I mean, and uh, we still had that many views. That's pretty powerful. Is the impact you're making in the fighting world. I mean, that's going to set up a legacy for your kids and those other fighters, kids. And that's pretty, pretty powerful for, for the fighting world, for the professional athletes. And Ron, what's your take on this? I know you're a fighter, but the audience doesn't know that about you, but you're, you, you, have, you do like to fight too. And that's how you well, like in the fight and being a fighter is two different things. Uh, nobody's <laughs> ever paid me to fight. Um, uh, 
So, but I do like uh, combat sports and combat arts. Um, I, I like knives, guns, and fists. But uh, no, I think it's it's interesting, you know, being a fight fan and watching the fights through the years, boxing and MMA, even kickboxing, um, putting some control measures in that allow the fighters to uh, have some longevity, have some security in their future. I've always thought it was uh, unfortunate when a young person wants to be a fighter that, you know, it, it's tough enough to have a job, try to train and then prepare for this fight when you you're not being paid a lot of times as an amateur and you're 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 going to have to go after work giving up weekends giving up all this time and then you have to have health concerns on top of that and if you get hurt nobody pays for it and now you you're really in a bad situation because you're not a fighter and you may even lose time from work so this historically has done a lot of there's a lot of people i know you know right here in tulsa mikey burnett you know, fought in the UFC and, and one of my other business partners, another company I have took care of him medically and the UFC did not take care of him. And Mikey Burnett, actually Dale, uh, Apollo Cook, who we have an XFN fight this week and Frank's going to be doing the commentary. Dale hired Mikey to train at his gym just to give him, you know, a way to feed his family and make some money when he had all these medical issues. And if it weren't for the community here in Tulsa, you know, helping him. After that, um, who knows what would have happened to him? But everybody's not Mikey Burnett. You know, uh, everybody doesn't have that. And so there's probably a lot of stories that we're not even aware of where lives have been destroyed and, 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 and futures are lost because there weren't a few things in place to kind of take care of those bad case scenarios that are, there's a high probability they're going to happen because you're, you're, you're hitting people in the face and you're doing things to, you know, to, to put pressure on people's joints and you're repeating those things. And there's a lot of wear and tear on your body and, you know, everything else, you know, you wouldn't drive a, well, it's illegal to drive your car without insurance. You know, you don't, it's illegal to buy a house without insurance. And I mean, those are inanimate objects. I'm, I'm sure we value human life more than we do cars and homes. So I think that's what you're, what you're doing is great, Frank. And I think it'll be great for the sport and great for people's lives. And, and there's nothing better than being able to pursue your dream and, and in a way that you know doesn't cost you everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. So yeah, the audience listening to the podcast here, we decided we're we're having actually a different business meeting on a different topic on Ronin, and we thought uh, we just do a little mini introduction podcast on what we want to do with Ronin and bring Frank on and Ron on. We're all I mean, we'll knock out a podcast real quick and just kind of give you an idea of where we're coming from as far as giving you guys content. In the information and hey, come come out and check out the academy. We'll be launching those dates here soon on our website, and uh, it's just an honor to be a part of this uh, venture with these two great men. I consider good friends of mine now. We talk to each other on the phone all the time, and uh, these guys are probably the busiest guys I know in business. <laughs> they got so many ventures going on, but you know they say a power of association, iron sharpens iron, and so it's an honor for me to be here with these guys and uh, do some exciting things for the exact protection bodyguard world. So with that said, uh, we'll wrap this up. Any parting words, guys, to the audience? I don't know. Pay attention. I think we're going to make it, uh, like everything else I try to be a part of, I just try to improve the industry. There you go, folks. So you guys will see more of Frank here, and we'll see him in person at one of our academies, and keep tracking the Run and Training System website, and just follow us up on social media, and we'll keep that up to date.
And uh, thanks for tuning in the podcast and we'll catch you on the next episode. And I'm going to wrap this up and we'll see you guys soon. Yeah.